Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, I'm coming to you from a hotel room in Jacksonville. No, that's not a threat. It's reality. Damien Dunn joins me, I assume, from Indiana. We're doing this over the interwebs. Dame, are you in your normal Studio North? I am in Studio North. I'm in swampy Jacksonville. You know, I've only been to Jacksonville twice. I'm here now. No one cares. Dame, here's what how the show works. People uh, email us their financial questions, and I'll be darned if we're not the best financial question answers in the world. I mean, you are, but I, I'm the host. Uh, you can get a hold of us at askpete at petetheplanner.com. Askpete at petetheplanner.com. Uh, Dame, you can get a hold of me by uh, just texting me anytime you want. Thanks. All right, Dame, this week we've got a question from a gentleman by the name of Brian. Uh, it doesn't say dear Pete, just gets to it. Just gets to it. Please see the subject line is the first line of his email. I've never in my life, Damien, seen that in an email get with the times pete come on do you do that have you done that before no i've never done that before all right so i guess i should read the subject line because that will help give people some context subject line 401k rollover or keep it with my previous employer okay starting the body of the email now damon here we go please see subject just lost my job oh man After 27 years of employment and would like to know what I should do with my 401k retirement. Thanks, Brian. Brian, man, I'm sorry. That stinks. Yeah, we just seems like we just said that it seems like this is the this is the season for that. It is the season. Dame. All right, we have to make some guesses here. Uh, 27 years. Let's say he started there when he was 22 just for fun. So he's 49. Okay. You want to go with that? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, let's, uh, let's, let's run with that. He's going to be 47 at the youngest. Oh yeah, sure. I would agree with that. Okay. First, let's, let's hope that he's been contributing for 27 years because if he has, there's a little doubt in my mind, he has hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. Just the, the time allowed uh, for compounding and, and hopefully there was a nice little employer match there. He could very, very reasonably have a nice sum of money sitting there. Do you have a general piece of advice when you get this question? You you have to get this question all the time, uh, your money line. Do you have a general piece of advice or are there some depends buttons here? Uh, in general, uh, it, I mean, that's a... a <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it's and this question is really interesting because... If I were to have my financial advisor hat on, still you know, sc- you know scraping to uh, to pick up whatever uh, new clients I can, th- the answer uh, it kind of gets weighted in one direction, doesn't it? That it turns into a rollover because then I get paid for it, at least under most traditional compensation models. However, I, I think we need to spend some time on that, and maybe what we do is we do that in the second segment. So let's park the idea of what a rollover means to a financial advisor and continue to answer this question. All right, so keep going. So there are some reasons to potentially leave it inside of a uh, a four hundred one k with your your previous employer. Um, first, if you've got good investments there and you don't know what else to do with it in the time being, you know, don't worry about it. You, you know where it's at, you know, it's invested. Okay. Um, 
worry about some other stuff at, at this point. So uh, if you're comfortable with where it's at, this is something that can be dealt with later. You know, I have a kind of a weird rule of thumb here, which I guess we don't say that anymore, do we? We're rule of Peter. Here's my rule of Peter with this. If you work for a giant company, and by the way, I'm looking at this person's email address. They did work for a giant company. You know what I'm going to try to do, Dame? I'm going to see who their 401k provider is. Now, this is some next level level stuff here. Uh, oh. Mm. Hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, there's an actually rating, a rating by Brightscope for mm-hmm. this place. Sure. Do you know about this? Uh, I stumbled onto it. Oh, gosh, it was a while ago, but I, I totally forgot about that. All right. I'm not going to, I cannot tell you clearly where this person works. I don't feel like that's appropriate, but I'm going to do my best I can to tell you about the plan because I think this is interesting. Okay. Um, it is, has a rating of 79 on this Brightscope rating, meaning, uh, it's pretty good. It's in the green there. Okay. The average balance for someone at this organization is $110,000. That's pretty good, right? When you think so? Yeah. I, you know, it depends on what the, the makeup of their workforce is. That's but true. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's sort of weird for me to say it's good for no other reason. Uh, I can't tell who the provider is. Can you tell? Have you looked? I haven't looked it up. No. I was relying right on now. you, Pete. I know I blew it. I, I just did this on the fly and now it fell apart anyway here. But you know what? This is a good tip. If you work for a pretty good sized employer, go to brightscope.com, go to their 401k ratings and see how your employer's 401k stacks up. How about that, Dame? Yeah, that's that's uh, actionable advice. Nice job, Pete. Okay, here's the thing. Uh, generally speaking, my, my rule of Peter is if you work for a big company, that generally means you have pretty low investment fees. Like the, the fees that cost you to, to invest in these sorts of things, they're low because your company is buying in bulk. That is to say, if you kind of know what you're doing or you know what you're doing, then you can continue to invest at a pretty inexpensive click. However, if you work for a smaller company, I mean, even like ours, Dame, we've got a pretty small plan because we don't have a ton of people in our organization. I hate to tell you, but previous to a switch we were making at the beginning of the year, our 401k fees are really high. You you think I didn't notice that? Yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't bring it up. Good thing I brought it up on the air. They're high. And, and so if you know you were ever to leave, of course you would roll it over because you don't want to have to pay those crazy fees that exist because we have such a small plan. Yeah, the fees are essentially the, the number one concern. Uh, if, if you're considering rolling it over for no other reason than to make sure you're getting the best deal possible, even if you're happy with the investments and the, uh, the fees are, are outrageous, you can buy those, those same investments somewhere else uh, and, and just get them for cheaper. So yeah, pay attention to what you're paying in, in fees and make the determination from there. And I know we're going to talk about this after the break, but when I was a financial advisor and someone asked me that question, I, w- I would have answered it, well, generally, yes probably if I'm being honest, right? Sometimes it wouldn't have made sense if they had super low fees and I couldn't beat them. You know, I'm really, no, I can't help you there. Uh, but I would say generally, yes. But now that <laughs> I have no vested interest, the answer is I'd probably leave it alone. Yeah. If, 
if there's no outstanding reason to move it, then you may have some time to make some decisions. And plus having it in a 401k, if you are of a certain age or older, when you, um, I believe they call it separate from service, you have some advantages there too, uh, that could potentially help you to access your money if you absolutely have to, or, or if you've done a fantastic job of saving and you're allowed or you're, you can retire at a certain time, uh, say 55 or older, uh, 401k could potentially give you that nice bridge and access to your wealth, uh, before you get into, uh, the prime retirement years, I guess, social security age years. Yeah, it's interesting. I keep wanting to jump right to our discussion that we're going to have in the next segment about an advisor's view on this. Uh, so, I mean, fiduciary things are all coming up in my mind, but let's stick to the facts. There is one major advantage of rolling a 401k over, and I think that that's that you can s- theoretically stay more organized because you can n- not have a bunch of old 401ks floating around. You could all conceivably roll them into one IRA one traditional IRA. And that way it's just easier to manage because there's less paper. Do you buy that? Oh yeah. I know people out there are thinking there's no way people ever forget about 401ks. It happens all the time. All All the time. We got to take a break. Come back. We're going to talk about this question from a financial advisor's perspective. What will they say? And how is that different? That's next on the Pete, the planner show. I'm Pete, the planner. back on the Pete the Planner show. Dane, we got a question in the first segment, which would have been the last segment. It was just a guy who's like, hey, I just left, lost my job after 27 years of employment. Again, we're sorry, my friend. Hope you're still listening. What should I do? Should I roll it over or leave it alone? And we answered it as uh, financial problem solvers would. Uh, people who say, this is what you need to consider. Now, Dane, if you ask a financial advisor, an investment advisor, this question, 95% of the time, whether they're commission-based or fee-based, they're going to say, yes, absolutely, I can help you with that. And my question to you, my friend, because you used to do this and I used to do this, my question to you is, how is that operating under fiduciary principles if you're investing someone's money at a higher fee than if they just left it alone within their old 401k? Explain that to me. Change my mind, Dame. Uh, there's a few different things that you could potentially argue on behalf of the advisor and and paying that fee. Uh, the first would be having the advisor's oversight or, or uh, guidance on that account. So preventing you from making a decision that you will regret in the future. Uh, arguably, you could say that you could engage that advisor and get his advice, his or her advice on what you should do with that account, even if it was still held in your former employer's 401k. But you would still have access to it and you could still make those decisions on your own without their uh, their knowledge or their consent. I mean, it's your money. I understand that. But uh, one of the biggest values, and we've talked about it before, of working with an advisor is preventing you from making mistakes that you will regret later. So uh, one of the, the biggest reasons is you, know, you pay maybe a little bit more, but you will make more in the long run because I will keep you on the straight and narrow. Do you buy that? So, I mean, that's a reasonable argument. By the way, I'm not dumping on financial advisors because I don't want my phone to blow up from all my friends that are going to yell at me. But 
but you have to ask that question. So, I mean, Dame, if, if we're saying, Hey, we get to pick a compensation model, then what I would say is, Oh, by the way, you're the person that has the 401k. Okay. okay and I'm the advisor. If things were how I'd like them to be, you know, not as the advisor, but the person choosing comp models, what I would say to you is, all right, let me choose your allocation for you. You can pay me on an hourly basis to do so. It's 250 bucks an hour. I allocated it this year. It took me an hour. It's 250 bucks. I'll see you next year and we'll we'll refigure it. That seems fair to me. My advisor friends are going to kill me. <laughs> that seems fair to me though. Um, some advisors will uh, come back with, okay, what happens six months down the road and things need to be rebalanced. Uh, it's, it's not maybe just to set it and forget it on an annual basis. Now, it could very well be, and I think for a lot of people that that might make sense is just let's look at it every 12 months and make sure that it's uh, doing exactly what we thought it was. Or maybe there are some new funds available inside of the 401k that we could leverage or, or get some access to that may, may be closed outside of that 401k. Um, so it, I think it would still benefit uh, the person to get some professional opinion on this, but you know, like, like we're talking about, how do you want to pay for it and how much, uh, you know, advice or, or, uh, ongoing, um, assistance do you want from that planner? Okay. And I feel like now all my beefs are going to get let loose here. <laughs> I hope you're ready for some email. Um, here's the thing. Every professional investment advisor has an asset mix, an allocation that they use, right. For different types of clients. Sure. And, and I'll get to the custom portfolios here in a second as I roll my eyes. Uh, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen today. I've had a weird day, my friend. It's a weird day. And so, like, if they have this style, if they have style boxes and they've got, you know, different asset classes they use, whether they're using your investments or their own, just to rebalance, it could take 30 to 45 minutes at the most if they're focused on that, right? Because... If if you're within the 401k, theoretically, you've only got 25 options at the most anyway. So you've got your you've got your restrictions there. And it's with how software works, it doesn't take that long to do the research. And you can go ahead and throw half of those 401k options out the door because they're not going to make sense for most people. I, 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 I like the environment where you don't roll it over and you just pay the person hourly to manage it. Man, we're going to get killed. Yeah, I. <laughs> What do you think the likelihood is of you finding an advisor just to work for 250 bucks to rebalance your 401k for you uh, once a year? I don't know. Probably zero. But doesn't that make sense? Just because it makes sense, Pete, doesn't mean that it actually works in practice. Anyway, I'll just I'll just tell you this. We built your money line to do the problem solving version of that. This is not a commercial for us because uh, we at this point deal with employers only and then deal with employees uh, of the employers. But we said, look, why, why do we have to have all these giant planning fees when we can just answer questions as they come in and, and not make it about these giant planning fees. And it's worked pretty darn well. Yeah. I, I think we've seen plenty of feedback that says so grateful for this service and uh, well, let's not uh, hurt ourselves, patting ourselves on the back, but I no, feel I, free. I, I, I like our model. I like, uh, I like how we do it. I like that there's uh, uh, just a, a expectation of providing the best answer for the, the person that contacts us. And there's nothing but that. Since I'm airing my grievances, can I go ahead and get a few other ones out of the way? Might as well. 
the whole custom portfolio, your custom investment portfolio, why? Who cares? Why do you need a custom portfolio? Well, okay, so my neighbor, Brian, good friend of mine, right? He, we're about the same age. Uh, he's a year older, which I like to point out. But our lives are pretty similar. His financial investment in, in portfolio needs are exactly the same as mine. So if, like, if we went to an advisor and they were like, well, Brian's got his custom mix and you've got your, why? For what reason? It's dumb. Oh, this isn't Burger King. It's not have it your way. Just give me the good one. Now, do you think Brian's needs are the same if his risk tolerance is completely different than yours? That's not a... Dude, here's the thing. You know very well that beyond risk tolerance and beyond time horizon, the whole custom thing is silly. Like, we have the same time horizon... I may have a slightly risk, a higher risk tolerance than him just because I've been in the industry. And so that would be the tweak. But most people our age are going to be moderate to aggressive investors and they're going to have the same time horizon. So they would need the same portfolio. Change my mind. I don't think I can. I think most people our age are going to be somewhere around a 60, 40, 70, 30 plus or minus 10% either way. Um, and here's the thing about advisors. And I, you know, I, I might as well add to your inbox on this one. Yes. Feel the hate uh, flow. <laughs> no, I, I love advisors. We work on them all the I time. Do. I I'm do. Just, I have beefs with the industry. Um, you know as well as I do that there are thousands and thousands of potential investment options for people and their portfolios. Yes. You get comfortable with 20, 30, maybe 40 that you can keep track of and you're comfortable with, you know, the managers, you know, the tra track record, you know, their style, you know what they're going to do in different types of environments. And once you're comfortable with those, you're pretty much sticking with those. So it may be I have a no custom, problem with that, by the yeah, way. But it may, so it may be a custom portfolio, but everybody's using the same ingredients, just in different proportions. I remember when I was doing this for a living and I'd have a mid cap solution. And then occasionally a wholesaler would call and say, Hey, we look at our mid cap solution. And I would say, okay, I'll take a look. And I'd kick the tires. I'm like, no, I'm going to stick with the one I want. Or they'd come and say, Oh, I've got a cool, you know, small cap fund. I'd look and I'm like, all right, I'm going to switch that out. But I wasn't running. I know some advisors do, but I wasn't running screeners on a thousand small cap funds. I, I, you know, like every, three months or something. I know some people do that. It just seems like overkill. It seems like you just are constantly flipping the stake over. I still know advisors that buy only stocks and individual bonds for their portfolios. I do too. I don't get that either. But again, I, I never fancied myself when I was an advisor as like, guys, I'm so smart. I'm going to smart your portfolio up. Like mine was just like, hey, let's not make mistakes. Uh, let's not overcomplicate this and let's just, uh, buy and hold. Uh, that being said, we, it's time for a break coming up, Dame. I want to talk to you about the importance of hiring a good advisor, whether it be financial or otherwise, you'll see what I mean next on the Pizza Planner Show. Back on the Pizza Planner Show, the Jacksonville Hotel Room edition of the show. Dame, I'm at the Holiday Inn and Suites. No, I'm at the Hyatt Regency Jacksonville. I'm speaking at a conference tomorrow. I just did my sound check, and then I came up to my hotel room and uh, started chatting with you on my computer. Do you have a water view? 
I do, but I think it's of some river. Is it St. John's River or something like that? I have no idea. All right, Dame. Here's the topic for this segment. Uh, I just sold my house. I just, oh, uh, a rental property, my rental property, the only rental property I have. I was just sort of done with it. The whole point was to have it increase in value and then use that equity to fund the kids' college education, right? Some of the funding for the education. We just got to this point where I'm just getting busier and busier and busier, and I just don't want to mess with it. I don't want to deal with renters. I don't do anything. So we sold it, and we got a, a chunk of money that we're just splitting into putting into the kids accounts. Okay. That's end of story. But through this process, it occurred to me as like, all right, I got to hire a realtor to do this. Cause again, I'm not going to force sale by owner and deal with all that crap. So I went to a guy who sells a lot of homes in my neighborhood who I've known for a long time. And I was like, man, listen, I just need you to do this. I will do whatever you tell me to do. I, I just want it done. I trust you do whatever it takes to get it sold. I will not harass you or bother you at all. Th- that was our talk in his office. And it took about 35 seconds. And, and his eyes got wide and he said, yes. yes. No, but the point is I trust him. I know him. And it doesn't hurt that if someone messes up <laughs> that there's the, you know, yeah. I can kind of probably make it a problem. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't. That's the thing. I never would do it. I wouldn't get on Twitter and be like, this person stinks. Or I wouldn't get on the radio and say, this person stinks. But I'll say the idea that that could happen probably helps me. Mm, yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, probably. I mean, you've you've got a a little leverage that you could you could uh, exercise if you wanted to, but you've got a great track record of uh, not, not airing your grievances on uh, Twitter or the radio. In fact, I won't even get mad at my airline on Twitter. I just contact them directly. I'm just a very like don't air your beef sort of guy. So anyway, here's my point. It's been a wonderful process because I let this professional do the job and I didn't get in the way with my amateur stupid ideas on how to sell a rental property, right? And I think so often we get in our own, I'm not the hero of the story because I will ruin it here in a second. We get, uh, we get in our own ways when we deal with service people, when in fact, what we should constantly do is find a really good person grow that relationship of trust with them and then just do exactly what they say. And I think you'll come out on top. What do you think? Uh, first of all, I agree with you, but I'm going to try and argue. Good. It'll make for, you know, a good conversation. Do you think that you got the best price you could have by doing everything they said? You know what? I'm going to blow your mind and probably lose a listener or two. I don't care. It wasn't worth it to me to squeeze another penny or a thousand dollars here or there out of it because it, it's a because of the risk associated with pushing further. We got an offer, a cash offer from an investor, and my guy said you could counter, but if you counter, he could walk away because it's a numbers decision for him because he's a cat, he's an investor. Right. This yep. is what he does. And so I thought, you know, it was below the asking price, of course. And I was like, you know what? It's been on the market for three months. I don't care. Let's go. Then it came back in the inspection report. There's some stuff wrong. And he's like, well, here's what you can do. You can have all this stuff fixed. I can give you my vendors. Or you can just make him a cash uh, offer 
to say, you know what, here's some money you can fix it. Here's the range. I picked a number in the middle. I said, offer him that. And he's like, done. Perfect. And it's over. So Dame, to answer your question, I left money on the table. Is that a place of privilege? I don't know, but I trusted him enough to make sure that I wasn't doing something stupid. And I don't think he let me do something stupid. Hmm. Okay. So beat me up. If you have to beat me up, I don't mind. So not everybody has, uh, okay. Not everybody has the privilege uh, of time and relationship building that, that you've had in this experience. That's fair. But my, I guess my action here as we get through it is to get there, to do it, to sure. do it build those relationships now. I totally agree. I, sometimes we don't have that luxury though. And, and so how do you think this process looks different? Let's say uh, um, you move across the country to a new uh, new city and something goes sideways and you're at the mercy of uh, a plumber that, that you have have no experience with. Uh, I mean, what do you do at, at that point? That's why I will never move because I have a good plumber. Well, it's hard to argue I, against I, that. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of half joking. People always ask me, oh, are you ever going to move? I'm like, no. And I, I say this respectfully. I've got this place wired. I know who to call for anything. I literally can call anyone to get something done. It's like, I love that. That's why I don't want to have to go find all these new relationships. But I, to answer your question, yeah, that would be horrifying. Awful. And giving somebody that control in that situation, I mean, you're, I mean, you're at the mercy of that person. I, I mean, if you're not... Uh, not actively either uh, you know, shopping the service or asking questions. If you're just saying, take care of me, oh boy, you are incredibly vulnerable in that situation. But see, I'm willing to pay for a premium experience with someone I trust because I'm not trying to nickel and dime them. Like I think sometimes people go so cheap. It's like, uh, I'm a frequent traveler for work. And so sometimes people are like, well, I'm getting two layovers and uh, I'm, I'm not going to check any bags. And then they end up paying more because they try to nickel and dime and then they don't value their time. And they have a nine hour layover in Des Moines. And, and I'm just like, you know, I get it. I, I know, understand that it sounds like I'm coming from a place of privilege here, but I think sometimes when you try to nickel and dime a service person or a product, you end up with a giant headache, a lot of wasted time, and you don't even save that much money. Yeah, I I guess I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I, I think there is... Is this, a, is this like a, basically, am I going to be like, hey, Pete's got a rich guy problems. Is that what we're going to hear here? I think that I think that's what it's coming to. Um, you, you may want to <laughs> delete Twitter off your phone for a while. I'm um, okay with that. I, 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 I'm okay with that criticism, and I'm not saying I'm a rich guy. I'm saying... I've invested in relationships of people I can trust. And I don't think that's a rich guy thing. Oh, I no. think that's a smart thing. I, I, I think everyone listening can agree that having relationships with people that you uh, rely on in uncomfortable situations or unfortunate situations works out to your benefit in the long run. A, because they're going to take care of you. B, because you don't have to worry about it because you trust the person that's taking care of you. Um, and it's, yes, it's an inconvenience and yes, it might have some horrible ramifications for you financially for a little while, if depending on the situation, but not everybody has that luxury. And I'm, I'm just curious as to how the situation changes. If, if you don't have those, I mean, do you just, oh, it's a nightmare willy nilly hand over the keys and say, 
go for it. I was willy nilly. I think that's going to be in Joe Biden's next uh, next uh, bus. Malarkey. Malarkey and willy nilly. Um, so, yeah, I don't I I agree with you. It's great. But if you don't have it, man, I, I, the calculus changes. I've always sort of felt this way, but I hadn't achieved the places in these relationships where I could fully turn over the keys, so to speak. I remember when I used to buy a car, I, I would like go find the best deal. And I found a guy that I really like. He used to be on the show, Jeff, the car guy, for those who are long time listeners. And I'd just tell him what I wanted and he'd find it and it'd be done. And it was like, I, I didn't really haggle over the fact that whether it was higher or lower than it should have been because I just, it didn't matter to me. Am I going to get killed? Yeah. It's, today's not been a good day for you. I feel like I'm going to get lit up, but I, I'm just being honest. Oh man, I think now I'm really going to get killed. That's how I feel. That's how I feel about our plumber. That's how I feel about our HVAC guy. You know, I still mow my grass though. Hashtag grounded. I don't know. This isn't going to go well, Dame. Yeah. Well, (sighs) nice job. All right. Coming up after the week break, biggest waste of money of the week. It might just be my whole attitude with money. We'll see. That's next on the Pete the Planner Show. Save your emails. This week's biggest waste of money of the week here on the Jacksonville Hotel Room edition of the show is... Dame, we've got a user submission for biggest waste of money of the week, and I'm going with it. It's brilliant. It's from Michael. Mike, Mike, that's the AirPods carrying strap. Did you see this going around the internet the other day? Yeah. (laughs) Never lose sight of a single AirPod again with this handy woven strap. You can wear around your neck and keep both buds secure. So as most people know, uh, AirBuds, earbuds, AirPods, no one knows, are very fancy headphone from Apple and, uh, they're they're loose. They look like golf tees. And you just put them in your ears and you can you look like a jerk and talk to people and listen to music, right? Is that how it works? Is that how they sell them, Dave? I, I think they leave the jerk part out, but yeah, they are everything else you've stated. So what this is, is basically looks like a shoelace, like a, le- a leather shoelace with gold tips. And, it, and you connect them to the end of your golf tees and it's basically a strap and it's $60. So the whole point of AirPods was to get rid of all the wires. And this is an adding a wire back and then charging $60. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a great use of money, does it? I do have to say something, though. I did see a guy coming down the elevator at the airport a couple weeks ago at like 1 a.m. getting off a plane, his AirPod, or the escalator. Coming off the escalator, his AirPod falls out of his ear, gets caught in the teeth of the escalator as it disappears the stair. (laughs) And it crushed the heck out of the AirPod. And if he would have had this $60 strap, he'd be all right. Dame, did you see my tweet uh, today? I guess it was about the impact of AirPods on the economy. No, I did not. You did. It was actually interesting. It was my tweet given I retweeted someone else. Uh, So here's what we got. This is fascinating to me. In 2016, uh, Apple launched the AirPod, you know, golf tees for your ears. Right. 2017, they sold 16 million of them. Okay. Okay. 16 million million pairs. uh, pairs? Okay. Yeah. 2018, which uh, by my math is last year, 
They sold 35 million. Okay. So a little more than doubled sales uh, of number of units. 2019, this year, they have sold around 60 million. And in 2020, they're projected to sell over 100 million AirPods in the year 2020. So 100 million AirPods, on average, based on the models, are $200 a pair. That's $20 billion, right? At a 35% net profit uh, equals $7 billion in profit. And if you factor in their price earnings ratio, which is an investing metric of a 25 uh, on the PE ratio, that equals $175 billion valuation. So what they're saying is if AirPods was its own company, it would be worth $175 billion because that's how they they figure out what a company's worth. $175 billion would be the value of AirPods Inc. And it would make it the 32nd largest company in the US. That's more than three Ubers, three Teslas, and one and a half PayPals. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Holy smokes. I know. I know. It's All nuts. Over little earbuds everywhere. Uh, Dame, uh, you saw all the you know, the whole thing. People are freaking out about the Peloton commercial. I did. Did you watch the Peloton commercial that everyone's flipping out about? I watched it for the first time today. Okay, so give me your reaction, man. Um, just, uh, see it now. It's my turn for for email. Uh, send all email to ask. No, I'm just kidding. Um. I didn't get all that tuned up about it. I think we agree. I didn't care about it at all. Like zero I, did not care at all. So it I, didn't bother me. I, I think that's one of these things that you see what you want to see in something. And if you read something in there that wasn't intended to be there or, or in reality isn't there, then that's not Peloton's fault. I think we're, uh, as you might notice, there's a lot of outrage going on in our yeah. society right now. People like to get outraged about things. Uh, and that's one of those, it's like, really? You're going to get upset? It's a privileged thing? It's a like, come on. Let's go so, to a better story. Yeah, so, well, uh, let, me, let me just add something here real quick. Uh, I, I saw that and I saw you know the, you know, the woman come upstairs and you know, be gifted the bike and you know, she starts exercising and, and great, fantastic. I immediately, uh, knowing the rate, the outrage that was behind this, I immediately thought of uh, a friend of of mine that I know that uh, was told by doctors that they have to exercise, you know, low impact exercise, or they're going to have serious heart complications if they don't. And sure. I thought, you know what? Maybe this woman just got uh, some kind of similar diagnosis and the husband said, I'm going to go all out and I'm going to give you uh, the, the Cadillac, maybe that's not the best term anymore of, uh, <laughs> of, of exercise bikes. <laughs> you see and, the Buick uh, Regals going away? What? I saw that today. Huh? Well, I mean, it's, it's a rebadged Opal product from Europe at this point. So, you know, I'm talking about how we should not be outraged. And yet every time I'm getting off an airplane and people take a really long time to grab their baggage, outrage. I, I, I first look to make sure that they seem fully capable of doing it before I get mad at that particular person. 
and I said this to a person once and they were like, and there's a term for like a hidden disability or something like that. And they're like, they could have a hidden disability. And I'm like, and then they made me feel bad. And I'm like, I mean, you can't be mad at anything anymore. See, Dame? Where's Peloton lady had a hidden disability. Exactly. Okay. This is a good story. The best cookies you can buy in a store ranked. You have my attention. All right. Number 10 on the list is a Nilla wafer. I like a Nilla wafer. Yeah. Do you? Like with banana pudding? Yeah, so- solid choice. Uh, number nine is the Biscoff. Biscoff. Delta, you know, airlines yeah, serves absolutely. them. They're loosely ginger cookies. Number mm-hmm. eight, famous A&M. A&M. Famous. <laughs> 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 that came out wrong. Famous. Amos with an M. Famous Amos. I'll tell you this name. I think that needs to go up the list. We keep them at the uh, Your Money Line headquarters, and they're delicious. Tates, though, at number seven. Tates are delicious. I don't know if I've ever had one. They come in a dark green little sack, and they you can go through them quick. Number six, Pillsbury Ready to Bake Sugar Cookies. I used to love those. I've sort of faded on my love for them. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of those. Number five, Keebler Chips Deluxe Rainbow Cookies. I don't even, I'm not I sure if I know no, what that I is. No idea. Number four is the Pepperidge Farm Milano. Classic. I, for a long time, got a uh, a package of those for Christmas every year from my mom. Number three is the Keebler Fudge Stripe. I don't know, man. I'm going to hard disagree on that one. You know what? I didn't, I, I didn't see the, uh, the, the plus in those for a long time, but I had one fairly recently. I was like, you know, this is not half bad. I don't know if it's, was it number three? Yeah, number three. Uh, I don't know if it's number three, but it's it's not a bad cookie. Number two, the Loft House Frosted Sugar Cookie. I don't know if I know what that is. Those are delicious. They come in a plastic case uh, that you, you can buy if you've been to any kind of sporting event uh, where parents bring stuff in. You've probably had one. Okay. And number one is Oreo. I'll tell you this. So we shop at Trader Joe's, and so they've got knockoff products. Uh, like their Oreos are called JoJo's. And there's a peppermint, cru- like a candied peppermint jojo damien i would i would i don't know what i would do i'd boss around a realtor to get one of those like they're delicious wow i don't know i I love my oreos i i'm full confession the golden double stuffed oreos are my favorite but golden oreo i've never had a golden oreo what oh my gosh no is it like uh i don't know i wouldn't be into that Nutter butter wasn't on this list. That's true. That wasn't. My dad would be angry if he was listening around. He loves Nutter Butters. My dad, like, I don't know how many times I've seen the words Nutter Butter flow out of my dad's mouth because he Good loves thing. them. Good thing he's not one of our five listeners. I know. He'll never hear this. Uh, but anyway, his friends will tell him how privileged I am about the service people we hire. Okay. What a weird show. Thank you, Jacksonville. <laughs> Dame, thank you for your friendship and sticking through whatever I've got going. Show's over. Sending good vibes. Good vibes are all that's I've got in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is The Weird Show. Mm-hmm.